to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we're going to be reviewing, and I'm going to stop now and let Dwayne tell us what we're reviewing. Jamie, we're going to be reviewing the best of the return of (laughs) all of the greatness. Return of the Jedi, 1983 Star Wars, Return of the Jedi. Originally entitled Revenge mm-hmm. of the Jedi, but Lucas since realized the Jedi's do not seek revenge. Yeah. But they are returning to the to the galaxy at large here. And But he snuck that title in though. Yeah. Yeah. It Episode was, three. He uh, he snuck that in there. Yeah, and this is <clears throat> my personal favorite of any Star Wars movie essentially. Um, my first experience in theaters probably why it's my favorite but it just wraps up this story so beautifully well it's a good movie i mean it's not like it's not it's not pure sentimentalism i mean it's a really good movie and um i don't want to give away we're not we're not to grade yet but um it's not it's not my favorite i mean we've already spoiled mine we already we've already reviewed rogue one so we know we've already (laughs) covered my favorite star wars movie but um it's a it's a good movie it's a lot of fun um I, you know, I'm not, I'm not the super fan on this one. I'm going to throw to the other super fan of Return of the Jedi. Well, you know, I think really, even though this is not my, my favorite of the original trilogy, I think it is the most sophisticated plot of the three. Because you have three separate stories going, and each one has to occur to be able to get to the finale. So... You know, as far as sophistication, you know, and, and I don't know, some of that could be script, some of that could be Richard Marquardt, I don't know, but, <laughs> you know, I just, I think it is overall. You know, I, with this one, similar uh, to Dwayne, I have the most vivid memories probably of this one. Yeah. Uh, I was right about that, that perfect age to remember standing in line uh, up at the Southside Mall in, you know, in our little town and just being lined up, you know, all the way back you know, down to the opening and and you're talking a good, you know, 100, 200 feet of just people lined up just wanting to get into this movie. So, um, that's a lot of people for this town. It is. And it is, um, you know, and that, that fear that you're not going to get in there because you're, Oh my gosh, it's going to sell out. You know, I mean, and, and unfortunately to, to look at a lot of theaters today, you don't see that. One thing, uh, Sam, that you were speaking about this being probably the most complex story. Uh, to me, the uh, the first movie, yes, Episode Four, New Hope, it really establishes the galaxy, really establishes that universe. But it's so fast, mm-hmm. and it's so you know faster, more intense. Has has you know famously the direction here, and they're accomplishing you know rescuing the princess. Stealing the plans, you know, or getting the plans to the Alliance, and then blowing up the Death Star. Three things. Bam, bam, bam. It's over. Then you have the heart. You get to see the characters, you know, that, that come out with uh, Empire Strikes Back as directed by, oh, the guy's name just left me. Irving Kirshner. Kirshner, yes. I cannot believe I had a brain freeze like that. <laughs> it happens. Irving uh, <laughs> Kirshner, uh, you know, really brought out the, uh, the depth of these characters. And then this, you know, like I said, it has three, four, six, essentially things going on all at once. And it ties up all of these storylines, all of these characters so beautifully. And I know Jamie had spoken about how our happy ending was robbed with yeah. episode seven, essentially. And I felt that again. Watching yeah. This watching this, you really do mm-hmm. feel that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I, th- I think we had talked before about wishing there being like a bigger time jump. Yeah. And that we were well beyond the lifetimes of all of these characters. And then we, that way we get to stay in Star Wars, but these people get to keep their happy endings. Yeah, they ending. get to keep yeah. their happy endings, yeah. Um, and I don't know, uh, you know, I know Richard Marquand famously directed, because uh, Lucas, you know, producing, uh, writing, working out all of the details. I really wasn't familiar with before or since anything that he's done. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think I think it's a little bit of a myth. Well, Mark Hand, Mark Wand, I would say his name, directed this movie. Yeah, Lucas directed this Lucas movie. Lucas directed. He's a ghost editor, I feel. Well, there was it was a legal issue is the reason Lucas couldn't direct this movie. Yeah, he was having trouble with the guild. Yeah, he um the, at that time, it was like Director's Guild law that you had to put the, the uh, title credits, like the actors' names and stuff, before the movie. Before the movie. He refused to do that. He wanted nothing but the opening crawl. So everything was at the end. 
because of that, he was like, he was banned by the director's guild. So his name could not be listed as the director of this movie. Hmm. So Richard Markham is really just a figurehead. I'm sure I mean, he was on set too. I'm sure he, he contributed to the, the production of the movie. No, yeah, no doubt he contributed, but yeah. I'm sure Lucas, Lucas had the baby. last. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure Lucas had the last call there. Yeah. So since we're uh, you know kind of deep into our opening thoughts here, <laughs> We should be giving grades on it. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump on our grades. And uh, you guys already know my grade. <laughs> I'm not even going to elaborate any more than just A+. Plus. Uh, I'm just going to go A. A okay. I'm going to A. Okay, I, I struggled with this more than you guys did. I think that in my if I was put to a lie detector test, I would give this a B+. Plus. But um, I know I was going to sit in a room alone with you two. <laughs> So I was afraid to not say A, so I'm going to go A minus. Let's be honest here. We're all, we're all friends. Um, there is for now at least. I think the best thing that has Star Wars on its name is in this movie. Hmm. I think the worst thing that has Star Wars on its name <laughs> is in this movie. Um, but I couldn't average them out to a C. It's too good a movie for that. Yeah. And so I'm settling right there, like a really happy B plus, B plus. Kind of a grumbly A minus. I mean, so somewhere in that zone. I mean, there's there's stuff in here that makes me want to just find the fast forward button and not put up with parts of this movie. Well, just for the cringe I'm seeing on your face, I'm gonna put you down here for a B plus instead of an A minus, <laughs> uh, just so that you won't have to uh, feel that uncomfortableness there uh, that I see. But it's a, so, but it is a really great movie. I mean, there's stuff in this movie that I despise, um, but the stuff that's great is the pinnacle of Star Wars. And so there is greatness in this movie too. I don't know how to balance those out though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this movie is, and it was even highly divisive when it came out. You know, you had the old, you know, action. And then you had the, it's for kids. You had the, yeah. is it an adult movie? Is it a kid's movie? You know, and, and I think Lucas has famously said, you know, he, he's created Star Wars for the younger kids. Right. To have what he had as a youngster in the well, theater with the Flash Gordon Buck Rogers series. He does that when he does that. And there's other times he's not doing that at all. And it's all in one movie, though. <laughs> well, I mean, there's the there's parts of this movie that feels like, yes, this is a kid's movie. And there's other parts like, what 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 would a you know a kid think of this part of this movie? I mean, right. what, what would they would is there anything there for them in this 30 minute block of this movie? Right. But you watch your you know your Bugs Bunny cartoons, you know, from the 30s and 40s. They had some pretty mature content in yeah, there, definitely. even though they were yeah. you know children's cartoons and using classical music, you know, all of those. <laughs> yeah. You know, it took me years to figure out when Bugs Bunny says, "I wish my brother George were here," you know, to really figure out who he was talking about. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take our first break now, and we're going to come back, and we're going to do a new format to the episode. I think this is the perfect movie to begin our new format. Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. And welcome back. So as Jamie discussed, we're going to be trying a new format tonight. So instead of breaking down this movie with our handy-dandy uh, Wikipedia breakdown, which I, I'm sure Jamie's beloved is so glad we've, <laughs> we've gotten rid of the Wikipedia. That was sneakily a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, and we're going to do a, a kind of a new, seg a new segment where we're looking at the kind of the pros and the cons, but we're going to call it fans or pans. So what were we huge fans of in this movie? And what do we kind of pan, you know? So uh, this is how we're going to kind of approach it. So let us know what you think. If you like the way this is going better than the other. And I, honestly, I would like to go first here because I don't have, I don't think I'm going to have the deep cut love that y'all are going to go to. I'm not, not going to have some kind of depth of opinion here that you all are going to have on this one. So, um, so I'm not, here's the first thing I'm a fan of in this movie is I love the throne room scene. Um, mm -hmm. Everything that happens between the emperor and Vader and Luke is emotionally powerful. Um, a lot of it's visually striking. Um, it's well-performed. Um, and I just love the tension in that whole scene. The emperor is so convinced 
Luke's going to be my new apprentice. And Luke is utterly convinced that Vader's going to turn. And I just love the dynamic of that whole scene. I love everything. Everything that happens on that Death Star with those three characters is the absolute best thing that's ever been called Star Wars. For me, it's the absolute peak. Those three guys in that room. And I, I love it so much. Jamie, you are not wrong. That is probably one of the best parts of all of Star Wars. That brings the, uh, the climax to the story, everything to a head. Vader's journey that we, you know, learn in the prequels, you know, it brings us a lot more depth to me. It does. I know a lot of people really struggle with the prequels, but I, I, I they're not great. I love them, but you know, and, and you do, and you do kind of get an idea of where Vader come from there. Um, <clears throat> I think that's really adds a huge weight to this. Luke's earnestness, Luke's just purity of of heart i know there's good in this guy i'm going to keep this faith yeah and i, and I love too like he's he's torn but, but the only time the emperor can really make him feel that that tension is when he starts threatening his friends because mm-hmm. right. up until that point there was no give in luke he's like but well, your friends are down there and i know they're down there and i'm going to kill them all well you, you see know, luke, the resignation yeah and that's when luke you know gives in to his anger yeah. you know and and i think it's Using the prequels, you know, I mean, kind of looking back in hindsight, you know, I mean, on its own, it's a powerful scene. You know, it really is. And and I, I, I agree with Jamie completely. You know, the way it's lit, uh, just it's, all of it is just kind of cinematography is just beautiful for this. Um, you know, but I think using the prequels, though, I think it adds more and more depth to it. You know, we don't know a lot about Palpatine from just the little snippet in Empire and then Jedi. But by using the prequels to inform us, that makes this turn even greater. Mm-hmm. Because we have seen Palpatine, you know, the Emperor as, as we refer to him here, you know, make all these plans. I mean, we've said, you know, he, he planned for the, the, the long game here. I mean, this wasn't a fly-by-night operation for him. He's been doing this for a while. Yeah. And, and just in this movie, he set up indoor. Every, yeah. Everything that's happening. Everything there, yeah, the, he was playing. The thing that he underestimates is the thing that he thought was broken, which was Vader. Yeah. You know, he underestimated Vader. So I just to me, that is powerful to think about. And I, I think there's a, a, a little moment here, and my wife and I disagreed about this a little bit, but there, the moment when, when Vader decides that he's going to chuck the Emperor down the, the space wheel. <laughs> but like, she's like, you know, she's like, I wish there hadn't, he didn't have a mask on. We could have seen his face. Mm-hmm. I, I just think whoever, I know we've talked before, those different guys in the suit, like the, the Prowse guy got mad because sometimes he wasn't in the suit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who was in the suit in that moment, but the body language, if whoever, whoever was being Darth Vader at that moment, you can feel it just the indecision and the, and then the final decision he makes, you can feel it just radiating off that guy's body. Yeah. Prowse really inhabited the suit and brought it to life for you. It was, I mean, a head to toe black mask. And he really uh, expressed emotion, menace, hurt, anger, you know, uh, even, you know, confusion at parts uh, through throughout the entire saga there. <clears throat> but, you know, the throne room scene is great. But there's another scene that happens, another, not really scene, but another thing that's happening the same time as the throne room scene. That's probably one of my favorite things in Star Wars. Is it Dwayne's turn? And, what are you a fan of Dwayne? And it's the space battles. This is just massive. You see every ship just flying these hundreds of TIE fighters. You see all of these ragtag Scrabble uh, Alliance ships just, you know, just going at it. And the shield's still up. We're getting their rating. They're jamming us. How are they jamming us if they don't know we're coming? You know, and, you know, they have to break off. And then uh, there's a whole fleet of Star Destroyers there to, to take care of them. And we find out that this base station is operational. If they had said operational one more time, though, it would have made it on. It would have made it onto the pan side of this list, though. Well, you know, Jamie, that was a trap. <laughs> but still, I bet they said operational at least five. Uh, at times. least five times, yeah. And if if you have the the Blu-ray, the complete saga on Blu-ray, uh, the special features 
goes into some of the deleted scenes and some of the things that they were working on, especially with Return of the Jedi. You have the famous Luke making his lightsaber scene. You have the mm-hmm. scene with them making their way to the Falcon in the sandstorm after their adventures on Tatooine with Jabba. But one of the and it's hilarious and kind of I guess you know they're they're trying to show where they are. They have like Betty White in an X wing. <laughs> And it, I know it's not Betty White, but it's a lady who's probably <laughs> Betty White's age right about now. And and they're calling lines to her from off stage, and you have Granny, and they called her Granny A Wing or whatever, <laughs> and different things. I've heard talking about this, and, and they're yelling off uh, lines to her. There's a heavy fire zone on your left. There's a heavy fire zone on your left. You know, and they're just talking and going on, and it's absolutely hilarious. But it just shows the desperation yeah. that this was their final. They had won a massive victory, blowing no, I, up the first Death Star. But, I, th- I think a point you made a second ago really told that because like when the when the empire rolls around from behind Endor, mm-hmm. they're all uniform. They're all the same kinds of ships. Same kind of ship. The Rebel Alliance, you mentioned it already. They're all different kinds yeah. of ships. The mm-hmm. fighters are all different. The cruisers, all the big ships, they're all they're different. All different yeah. right. It just shows like just visually you can see who who's you know who's patched this thing together and who's the big unstoppable force. You yeah. can it's visually you can see it. All right. Um, so here's how it goes. All right. I love both of those scenes. But for me, I'm the biggest fan of Jabba's Palace. I love that first third of the movie. That That is just – that that's for years because I feel like it was a – in some ways, it was a cantina redo. Yeah. I feel like Lucas was going, okay, now that I've sold all these action figures and I've got a ton of money now, <laughs> I can really do this the way I want to do. And we get Jabba's Palace. We get the payoff for Jabba. You know, unlike, you know, people who've just seen the special editions, Jabba wasn't there originally. He was just a name. And so now we see Jabba the Hunt. And he was so different than anything we'd ever seen in Star Wars. You know, I mean, thanks to Jabba, we have Borgullet, and we have all these <laughs> other things. If Jabba hadn't succeeded, we would have never had Borgullet. I, I believe right? that because Jabba is this big blubbering mass of a slug. Exactly. Uh, you know, gangster. Uh, the first third of the movie, strangely enough, as much as I love this, isn't my favorite uh, third. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff there. And you do have the return to the cantina, uh, you know, with the showing of the aliens that we didn't have in Empire Strikes Back. The Empire Strikes Back was a very claustrophobic movie. Dwayne's just mad Boba Fett goes out like a chump. <laughs> Boba Fett does go out like a punk. Does go out like a, yeah. I do agree. <laughs> Boba Fett. Boba Fett. This is true. But if you were to cling to the legends uh novels of uh, that's right the the mandalorian armor um boba fett makes it out he crawls out of that sarlacc man <laughs> after after blowing it up that's right yeah. well in the uh in the new canon and we, oh this is rabbit hole we should not go down but that armor does show back up the uh the sarlacc oh, really? spits it back spits up, it back up. Okay. and a guy finds it and he becomes like the new sheriff of tatooine oh cool um yeah, I think that may be a TV show coming out. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I, had, I had that as my. I had, I had two things I want to mention on the fan list. That was my other one. I love the opening. Yep. Um, it's not as high as the throne room scene. Um, and I do hate that Boba Fett. Just, I mean, that's he's too cool a character to go out that easy. But I just, I love like it's like it's like kind of like a video game. Like Luke has leveled up. And you can right. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Luke walks in like a boss. Yeah, yeah. and he's I mean, got he's got the new costume. Like you can tell, like you know, you level up and you get like a new like outfit that shows how tough yeah. you are. Like he's got his new outfit. He's got you know new weaponry. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and and Hamill portrays the character as much more mature and confident, and much yeah. more confident yeah. in the way he speaks, and even using the you know the meta you know the Jedi mind tricks on poor. You know, Bib Fortuna. Are you complimenting? Uh, are you complimenting Hamill's acting ability there? Yes. I know a lot of people really talk about how whiny and, and 
and awful he is, but now I'm 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 a well, he's whining when he's supposed to be whining. I'm a fan. He he portrayed that character arc, yeah, as yeah. that character arc needed to be portrayed. I mean, we, he's yeah. not the 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 farm boy anymore. No. He, he's yeah. not going to Tashi Station to pick up power converters. He's he's on his way to becoming a true Jedi. I mean, he's built his lightsaber. Yeah. He's trying to save his friends. He's got this big plan. Yeah, and we do have another great thing here in Jabba's palace that happens. We have the return or the reuniting of a couple characters with the rehashing of a line. <laughs> and you know, when, when, uh, when princess Leia in disguise frees solo from the carbonite and he realizes who it is, he says, I love you. She says, I know. So, you know, and you had that rehashing there and I thought that was just, just, just beautiful. There was one little thing I wanted to mention from that this I, I love this part of the movie i absolutely do but there's one thing that makes me laugh every single time lando is bad at disguises <laughs> he <laughs> is constantly pulling down <laughs> that face <laughs> hey he's proud of that stash that's right he's gonna show it off oh i, I get it i get it he's a good looking dude i mm. get it but if you're if your whole point is disguises you don't keep pulling it down <laughs> what, what do you guys think about the chewy's uh, white rain look you know, I, I've actually always loved Chewie with the whole hair down instead of that slick yeah. back constantly. I know. I did, I it just it. seems, you know, much more, you know, I don't know. Something about it visually, I think, looks better. Yeah, I was so ready for him to try out, like, for a band member in Bon Jovi or something <laughs> with, that, with that do. <laughs> And you know what's kind of funny though? It's the it's the it's the climate on Tatooine. You can yeah, tell it's a frizz. It, it, can't, yeah. be the, it can't be the humidity. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's really funny though? You know, now with Solo, we kind of play that scene back yeah. where Han is thrown into the cell with Chewie. Yeah. You know, and and so you get you know once again I I, I think they they play on these moments in Star mm-hmm. Wars in this new yeah, it all comes back around yeah. it, it it truly does and there's apparently a deleted scene in Solo where uh, after they're in the shower together where Chewie's drying himself and he's like all puffed out with the hair <laughs> and Jamie you have another f- favorite those are my big two okay. um, I wanted to mention the throne room and the uh and the Jabba's. Well, well I, I do want to add to that though. I think the barges and all, and the way that they use the barges to do that action scene yeah. stuff yeah. is really great. Oh, it's oh, it's phenomenal yeah. from beginning to end in, in my book. Uh, I want to mention Luke's return to Yoda. Yeah. One of my favorite little characters, Yoda here, and uh, you see him not being the crazy Yoda that we had experienced in. Empire. You see him more serious, more somber. Of course, he's near death, but he explains to Luke a little bit about the Force, and he says, "We well, you know you're already here. You yeah, know, your your training is you're you're there. You're done." And Luke goes out and you know confers with Ghost Obi Wan, and that's another of my favorite scenes. Yeah, man, Obi Wan's a shady dude, though. <laughs> well, I've I've all I've oftentimes said this when people talk to me about Jedi and Sith. The Sith will tell you the truth. The Jedi kind of bend it to their certain point of view, as as uh, we're so fond of Obi Wan saying. Yeah. Well, the uh, the the Jedi will manipulate the truth. The Jedi the Sith will tell you the truth in a manipulative manner. Yeah. Um, they'll they'll tell you the truth, but they've got the reasons and the timing for why they're telling you the mm-hmm. truth and when they're telling. When you. exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, I think the other thing that really stands on me that I'm a huge fan of is, and once again, we're back in the first third of this movie, is just the scene where Vader's coming down the, the boarding ramp of the shuttle. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking wash and waxed. All right. <laughs> this is the best Vader's armor has looked in the OT, right? I mean, he's had the armor all and his protein shake. I'm telling you, coming down the smoke, coming up, you know, pull on turtle wax on him. Oh, I'm telling you, he's shiny, man. You know, and, and just, just the look at all the troopers lined up in procession and poor Moff Jajarad, 
you know, you, the emperor does not share your optimistic appraisal of the situation. And he's, I mean, he's just one to fall apart when Vader looks at him. And, says yeah, and he starts trying to make excuses. I need more men. He's like, maybe you can tell the emperor when, when he, he arrives. arrives. And you just see him, you just see him drop a load in his pants. Yeah. <laughs> he was trying to push back and yeah. be like, a, he was stronger than some of the other guys. Yeah. yeah. But the second the emperor's coming, he just falls he's apart. Like, uh. <laughs> And, and you know, though, when we, we talked about when we talked about Rogue One, you know, Vader's scene and the little bit of humor yeah. that he throws in, that was here also. So, I mean, yeah. you know, Vader's not doing stand-up, but he has his moments. Vader, <laughs> Vader's a quick guy, you know, and, and that's a thing. I'm glad they carried the wit from era to era with, you know, with mm-hmm. the prequels and, the, and these originals. And I think it gives the, the, the impression that he kind of like – he enjoys – the power, the power he has, mm-hmm. that he has over people, that he's he can kind of play with them a little bit. He doesn't just exercise the power; he plays with them. While with he's, him. Yeah. yeah, he's like that mean cat. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if we're done gushing with our uh, fan, I want to pan some stuff. Oh yeah. So let's do I'll it. tell you what, we're getting into the pan section, so I'll run to the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think Sammy and I both want to tee off on the same section here. So I'm going to lead off, and then we'll just tag in and out on it. All right. Let's go for it. I hate Ewoks. Oh. <laughs> I, <laughs> I hate them yep. so hard. Yep. Um, and it's it. they don't fit. There's so much of this movie that is this super dramatic, emotionally powerful stuff. And then we go watch Teddy Bears. <laughs> and I want no part of it. I want to fast forward if my Kids didn't love the Ewoks so much. I would find a way to skip these scenes. I don't want to look at it. I think it undermines. Because if you think about it, the Battle of Hoth, right? It's this huge battle, and the Rebel Alliance barely escapes. Okay, if teddy bears can beat them up with ropes and sticks, then the Rebel Alliance are a bunch of jokes that we should absolutely not take seriously. So I hate the Ewoks in this movie, and I hate what the Ewoks do to the Rebel Alliance. Okay, I'm tagging out now. Sam, All right, go. so back with those Ewoks. <laughs> they're just they're poorly represented. They don't come across as strong characters. There's so many little flaws throughout that whole section. All right, they're going to roast Han with his clothes on. I mean, come on. You skin an animal before you cook it. This is PG. I know, I know, but I'm just saying... And then, the, but they go make clothes for Leia. You know, we only eat the men. We don't eat the women. You know, I mean, it's that kind of thing. Well, she gave Wicked her helmet and some and whatever granola bar that was. <laughs> and and there and, and Lucas is trying so hard for the cute factor. Yeah. That it's it's just it becomes cringeworthy. I mean, it's just too much. There's too much cuteness. It's just. It's like you, you've eaten, been eating like something sweet and you get to that point and where there's too hurt. much. Yeah. Right. Now, yeah, I get to the Ewoks after about five minutes. <laughs> it's, it's too much. Yeah, they um, really did push the cuteness with the Ewoks. Now, I, I do. you are aware Lucas was originally wanting this to be a tribe of Wookiees. It should have been. But he, had, but he said he wanted them to be primitive and wanted that foil for the empire. Right. So instead because, of making him really tall, shown, it made him really short. And he had shown Chewbacca, you know, mechanicking on the Falcon, yeah. you know, being able to navigate uh, space lanes and stuff. Well, being me... too advanced. Now, I, I love the, uh, they had, you know, they had <laughs> midgets. The they had hands, Dwayne. You know, I, well, I'm, I'm getting there. And, you know, they said they're too much roly and too much poly in the suits. You know, they had really a lot of trouble getting the suits to work. And you really do have, a little bit much cuteness. I'm not a huge bother with, you know, I, I wasn't a fan of the cooking scene. Um, I wasn't a fan of as much as I enjoyed the, the three sided battle at the end. A lot of times I will fast forward through the Ewok sections of that because it is so silly. Some of those things, especially when they're swinging through doing the Tarzan. Yes. I can't stand that. Or if, you know, some of the, some of the other little things. But now there are some things with some heart in there and the ingenuity where they're tripping up the walkers with the – I already hate them, though. The, the logs it's too late. rolling when they're you know, <laughs> smashing the logs together coming in. Yeah, that's – yeah, right. it's, it's not my favorite part. Right. So let's I, go ahead. I have a confession as far as these Ewoks go, okay? Uh, Star Wars Battlefront. 
I won't. I won't say that I didn't maybe become an imperial sniper on indoor just so I could sit and pot shot Ewoks. Okay. I won't say that. Yep. I won't. <laughs> oh, that's great. You know, and, and at the end of the movie too, you have some of the, uh, you know, the Ewoks dancing around just kind of goofily and just not in time with the thing. And they have the, the stormtrooper helmets doing the drums. I know, I know Warwick Davis is in one of those things. I don't care. I could have walked around that set punting Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it could have been Wookiees. And, and yeah. the whole thing about, you know, you know, Chewie knowing too much technology. We just have him being abducted from his family. And he's had to learn this stuff. And so he comes back. Maybe he's reunited with his family. They could still be primitive. Well, it is it is a thing that the Empire, you know, was using Wookiees for slaves yeah. as on the, on the Death Star and some of their shipyards. Yeah. I mean, it still could have been Wookiees. And at that point, we've seen Chewie be tough. We've seen him be smart. We've seen him be clever. I could roll a lot more easily with a slightly more primitive whole crew of Chewies fighting the Empire and winning. I could roll with that. I've seen Chewie. Chewie's tough. Yeah. Bunch of teddy bears, man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this was really Lucas. It. This was Lucas uh, showing his inner Disney before the buyout. I guess. Well, he had, he had sold action figures. Now he wanted to sell teddy bears. Yeah. So yeah. That's right. Got to go well, plush also. Well, I mean, you know, it, it was the marketing. <laughs> it was the marketing from the first movie that bankrolled the next two. Yeah. I mean, because uh, 20th Century Fox had all release rights. Yeah. He said, just give me merchandise. And if you want merchandise, <laughs> merchandise is a joke. You're yeah. gonna make two bucks on a lunchbox, dude. And that's all you want to sell. You know, but he racked it out, you know, with with the contracts that he was able to do. Well, well before Star Wars, there'd been no staying power no. with merchandise. No. Right. No, it, things things would just come and go. I think G.I. Joe was the most Well, Planet of the Apes had a big like initial they made a lot of money like initially for merchandising, mm-hmm. but that faded quick. And I think they were like, well, ah, he'll make a he'll make a couple of bucks up front, but then it'll fade. It'll fade. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> well, I'm going to uh, go into one of my pens. I was afraid he wouldn't have any. <laughs> now, now, I, I, I do, and it's it's not a lot. I am not a fan of the added music scene. Agree completely. Yup. Yep. And, and and I think that's probably a thing around the table. You know, as much as you know, I said earlier, you know, Jabba's Palace wasn't my favorite thing in this movie. That just really brought it down another couple notches for me. You know, um, all the other other additions I can deal with. Um, I, I like the the more characters in there. I like how they filled out the world, even digitally and with actors later on. But you know, you have this music scene. It's just like it was kind of cool already. You know, yeah. it's, it, it is what it is. I don't need a. It was. It, I was embarrassed for Lucas. I mean, it's cringeworthy. It's tough to look at. I'm like, a guy who's as skilled a director as Lucas, it, this is beneath him. Yeah. That scene is. It's tough. I, I don't like it. I guess they were just trying to get size Snoodles to see if she would work in the uh, Clone Wars, you know, digitally animated. True. I don't know, man. You know, oh, I mean, I know that in the original version, she was just a big puppet. And yep. basically, she didn't have a lot of movement. But could he not have just used the original band? Yeah. Leave Cy and Droopy and Max and move on. We didn't need all of the extra backup singers and drummers right. and yeah. weak ways and we just didn't need this. And, and you have it was the, too uh, ostentatious. One of the things that, that got me is the is the uh, uh, the Rodian female. Uh, yes. Greta. Instead of Greta, <laughs> it's Greta. I think you can see the wrinkles in her suit when she's laying her arms down or bending her elbows. Instead of you know them just painting her body all green, yeah. she's she's like in a puffed suit. Mm. Yeah, it's it's just really not well done. Well, I, I want to expand on that that point you're making there. Um, I've got a thing here that just I'll, uh, special editioning. Yeah, it's it's the worst of all of the the original trilogy. All of the special editions he stuff he does for this movie don't work. Um, it works better. Like, some of the stuff in Empire, I like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's stuff in New Hope. I, I'm a little. Some of it I like. Some of it I don't. Yeah. I don't think I like anything that he added in this movie. I mean, maybe like he said, fleshing out the crowds, maybe you know, brighten the world up a little bit, whatever. Yeah. But most of the uh, the things that stick out that we notice that are special edition things, none of them. None work. of those work. Hayden Christensen at the end, 
That, I, I, was, that. I was not a fan of that either. It doesn't you know, make give, sense. Give me Sebastian Shaw. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't look right. He doesn't look like he fits with the other uh, Force yeah. Ghosts. It doesn't. Yeah, I always want to sing the Sesame Street song. One of these things <laughs> is not like the other. Yeah. And and it feels like honestly, it felt like he was kind of trolling the fans that didn't like his prequels. I don't know that he was necessarily trolling them, I and he may very well have been. I think he was trying to bring a unity. I think he was trying to bring a connection with that uh, more than trolling people. But I, but uh, for all the grief he got, I could probably see him trolling yeah. people. But but it's but it's not. It's just everything that stuck out. I could tell like that's a special edition thing. I did not like. It. I don't feel like it worked. It was something about the way this movie was structured. Maybe yeah. it just didn't need extra stuff. Yeah. I'm not sure. No, and, and this it movie doesn't really needed very little extra stuff. Yeah. yeah. Pan out, yeah, fill out the crowds, make, you know, things a little bit sharper looking, you know, fill out the ships. You know, I don't care that the Ewoks don't blink. Yeah. You know, I know they're puppets. I know they're teddy bears running around. It's the snuggle bear on crack, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I know what these guys are, and, and, it, and it's cool. I buy it. I buy it 100%. But we don't need all that stuff. And the extra bits of the Sarlacc one look more, bad, too. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to say one like more thing. I'm going to say one more thing with my with my pen. And I'm just going to leave it alone. No! <laughs> yeah. How long does that go on? Uh, a little too long. Thankfully, I've got a, a copy old enough. Yeah, I, don't, I, think, I think I don't have that. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or I've, I've got a, a strong enough mental block that I don't hear it anymore. One or the other. <laughs> you know, I mean, touching. I, I mean, I agree with you completely. The, the force ghost thing. You know, it just didn't fit. Why wasn't it you and McGregor as Obi Wan then? If we're going to revert everybody to youth, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, yeah. I just it didn't fit for me. It just threw it off. Um, you know, and what, okay, here's the thing I find funny, and this is the biggest thing I pan a lot, is that all of these teeny things, like removing Vader's eyebrows when they take the helmet off, all right? The original cut, Sebastian Shaw has his That's eyebrows, so but he's a burn victim, obviously. So they take, they digitally take off the eyebrows, okay? But what they did digitally fix is the, sight on Boba Fett's helmet on the wrong side yeah. <laughs> during the thermal detonator scene. They didn't fix that. And what about um, Lando's <laughs> strap? Yeah. Lando's bandolier going from side to side, if you notice that. Yeah. yeah. I think I was so distracted by his face mask coming down, I didn't know. <laughs> no, no. When him and Han, when Han's giving him the Falcon, when he says, you want to need oh, the Falcon for the ship. I didn't even know. And he's got, his, he's got his bandolier with his cape. And as the scene goes, it goes from right to left, right to left, right to left. Yeah. <laughs> Billy D is so cool, man. Billy I don't so even cool. It did matter. But, I'll, I'll roll with whatever he wants to do. But, you know, I get the idea. You know, I understand probably why the Boba Fett thing happened. You know, they've probably inverted the film because yeah. if they didn't, he'd been on the wrong side of yeah. Jabba in the scene. So, okay, let's just do this, you know, quick and dirty and we're just going to invert this. But it puts the site on the wrong side. And, and But we're going to go in and we're going to do all these teeny things. But, but we're, we're going to leave that. These, yeah. Yeah. And like and I said, I know that's a nerdy nitpick, but hey. <laughs> at least they've done the a better job. That's right. At least they've done a better job with uh, the eyebrows, digitally removing them than they the mustache for Superman. That's true. That is true, actually. The glob. <laughs> I, okay, I've, I've got one more on my pan, and then I can let you all tee off some more. Um, there's something wrong on Indoor. Everybody's high. Um, something's wrong with Harrison Ford on Indoor. We've all seen Harrison Ford sleepwalk through movies, right? We've seen him. I mean, I saw Ender's Game. He voted present for that movie. I mean, there's there's no acting going on. He's just saying, we all know what it looks like when Harrison Ford is is just cashing a paycheck. That's not what he's doing on Indoor. He's doing something else, but it's not normal. I mean, and Carrie Fisher's weird on Indoor. Um, But it's it's not just Carrie Fisher, though. She was sharing. I was going to say, she may be high, but. Yeah, I, I, I get why Carrie Fisher might have been off. She was sharing though. Something like that. It's, it's everybody who's not in a teddy bear suit is weird on indoor, mm-hmm. and I don't like the line readings are weird, facial expressions are weird, interactions are just strange. It's like, what's wrong? Is there something in the air on indoor? We need to make sure Luke stays on the Death Star. There's something wrong with that <laughs> sanctuary moon? Well, you yeah. do have all that forest around you. There's no I, telling what's been growing in the. 
something, man. I, I, I don't know. Maybe the teddy bears were on those fires. Maybe that wasn't logs. Maybe they were burning something, you know, something special. Some peyote or some Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, but I, I agree. Um, especially on indoor, the dialogue does get a little wonky. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like everybody steps out of character. You know, I know that they're trying to portray Han as growing and becoming a more, you know, caring person. But his little tirade with, who could you tell? Luke? You know, I mean, it's like, are you in the high school, dude? I mean, come on. You know? And his face was doing weird stuff. Yeah. I'm like, his facial expressions were strange. Well I, well, I think we've discussed this before, even though Kasdan had, you know, written this one and Empire. I think, you know, you still have the Lucas influence there of just odd dialogue yeah yeah george you can say this bleep <laughs> you can write this bleep but you can't, you can't say, say it, it. <laughs> yeah i just but i found i mean not just the teddy bears but like everything on indoor was off-putting to me yeah all right anything else that we want to pan no i, th- I think we're, we're good at this point. i gotta kick some ewoks i'm happy <laughs> <laughs> Yub nub. Wilcon, September 28th at the Southside Mall in South Williamson, Kentucky, featuring special guest Christine Thompson, lead writer of Destiny 2 and Star Trek Online. Come out for a day of creativity, celebrating all things pop culture, video games, board and card games, cosplay, comics, and a host of other media and art. That's September 28th at the Southside Mall, South Williamson, Kentucky. Welcome back to the show. And now we're going to get to what is sneakily one of my favorite parts of the show. We're going to give out some awards. And so our first award is one of our staples. This is one we always do. Best scene. So, Dwayne, what was your best scene? Oh, I'm going to say anything on the last third of the movie involving spaceships or Luke and Vader fighting. (laughs) (laughs) The cheating is contagious. <laughs> Every podcast I'm on. Somebody's cheat. cheat. Oh. Yeah. All so, right. Yeah. The throne room and the space battle. I mean, <laughs> for for my money, yeah, just, just put in the movie, skip to those parts. If we could edit out, you know, everything else, I, I'm, I'm fine to start there. From the moment that, uh, you know, it's a trap, <laughs> you know, how could they be jamming our shields if they don't know we're coming? I'm, I'm good to start there and go on. Dwayne just picked 45 minutes of the movie. <laughs> Sammy, what are your favorite 45 minutes of the movie? You know, the the way we have our awards broken up, though, you know, you've got best scene, and then later on we'll talk about best action scene. So what I had to really do is split that and think about, you know, what is the scene that every time I watch it just, just, just takes my breath away or just makes me stop and go, wow. And I kind of gave that away because, to me, it's Vader's arrival at the new Death Star. Mm. I love that scene. Once again, that big promenade of stormtroopers, you know, the the shiny wash and wax armor for Vader. Uh, Just, it's so atmospheric and it just basically kind of shows us the power that Vader has. And to me, that was important. So that, that to me is, like I said, every time I watch this movie, that scene stands out. That's a good one. Jamie, what do you have? Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna narrow yours down. Okay. Um, it's in the throne room, um, and it's the moment specifically when the emperor is sort of taunting Luke, and I love how evil and menacing that the emperor is. It's like you're going to be my apprentice, and Luke, you know, resisting him. That interaction between the emperor and Luke, I think, is the best scene in the movie. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, he is so evil and just condescending and you don't even know and arrogant i mean you will be my apprentice you know yeah there's a lot of great dialogue in that section right there which brings us to the best quote jamie okay i get to go back to back look at that it feels special all right so um it's it's slightly later than my best scene is where the best quote is okay and so uh vader's pulled his helmet off and he's dying, and he's clearly dying, but Luke wants to save him. And so Luke says, um, no, you're coming with me. I'll not leave you here. I've got to save you. And then I love what so – my, my best quote is Vader's response to Luke's line. He says, you already have, Luke. You were right. You were right about me. Tell your sister you were right. And I love that you already have. 
Mm-hmm. You did save me. I just I love that that little that little moment from Vader there. You did save me. I just I love that. Emotionally powerful. Very yeah. powerful. I had to go humor. Okay. I had to go humor. There's there's some humor in this film. We're nine hundred years old. You reach. <laughs> Look as good you are not. Hmm? I have to laugh at that. I have to laugh at that for numerous reasons. One, it's hilarious that Yoda is saying this. Yes. Two, as a Doctor Who fan, there is this great meme that shows Yoda with that line and then shows David Tennant's 10th Doctor popping his head up and smiling and laughing because he was 900 years old also. (laughs) So, you know, it just cracks me up, okay? But, yeah, that has to be one of the best quotes I just laugh every time. And it's a good delivery, too. Yeah, it is right. You see Yoda's snarkiness still yeah. still got it at 900. And he doesn't need to say it. I mean, at the end, he goes, hmm. <laughs> and looks at him. You know, Frank Oz moves that head like, that's right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Z-formation. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a, a quote that I probably use more than I should. Um just fly casual. <laughs> don't don't look like you're trying to fly casual. Just fly casual. <laughs> yeah, when they're when they're sne- trying to sneak on the indoor, flying by the destroyer, and uh, looks and Vader's on that destroyer. And you see Chewie, you know, growling like a honey. He's like, well, just, just fly casual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a good right one. There. That's a and good I think one. it says a lot about Han's character too. Yeah, yeah just who he is. Yeah, yeah. just I don't, I don't know. Just just that normal. <laughs> yeah. So best characters, our next one. And I think there's a right answer here. You know, this was tough because where we have best character and best new character, Mm -hmm. right? So for best character for me, um, even though he was kind of a new character in this, I have to say the Emperor. Hey, Dwayne, unplug his microphone. That's the wrong answer. I'm telling you, (laughs) Ian (laughs) McDiarmid owns Am I there? I think I'm not there. Hi. Hello. Hello. Is this thing on? <laughs> That's a good answer. Ian McDiarmid owns every scene he is in. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you all say he's cold. He's calculating. He's evil. You know, it's just perfect. I mean, yeah. even when – I mean, he's just so snarky. So be it. He Jedi. does, he does you know, chew up the scenery. I mean, honestly. Okay. Yeah. No, nobody's having more fun on the set than he is. Yeah. You can tell he just oh, loves being the emperor. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, the right answer is Luke. Uh, yeah. Luke, I think I just it's he's the center of this movie. He's the center of the whole uh, trilogy, and this is him at the peak of his powers. And this is him having his, I mean, truly heroic moment. I mean, the you know, blood the Death Star was a, a heroic moment. This is his heroic moment, and he yeah. is right. He was he was like, I think they're still good in my father. I can save him, and he was right. And because he stuck to his guns, because of he stuck to his convictions, it, it changed the future of the – well, maybe not forever. That made sequels. <laughs> but it won the day. And I just I just love the way Mark Hamill plays these scenes. I mean it's just – I think Luke is the best character. Well, notwithstanding their happy ending being taken away, I, I agree. Luke is the, the, the right answer. It's probably the most developed, the most uh, emotionally – Jedi wise, just in what he's prepared to do by going to the Emperor. You know, he's like, everyone, you know, Leia's telling him, no, you can't do this, you know, and he's like, there's good in him, I feel, but he is resigned if he can't turn him. You die. see the resignation in his, yeah. in his actions, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to make this sacrifice yeah. because I believe and I feel and I know. And yeah, that just carries a weight to me every time I see those scenes and, and watching it again. And I mean, I own this on so many different formats. <laughs> <clears throat> I watched the, the original theatrical release. I watched the, uh, the first DVD release. I watched the special editions, you know, and Hamill's portrayal is, is acting, his expression, his, his, his eyes, even his body language just carries so much. Well, and like the scene in the elevator when he's riding up with Vader, and that's that, that sort of like 
serene peacefulness he has about the decision he's made. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, it's powerful. You know, and the thing is, that's why I think Luke's character in Last Jedi has had so much backlash. Because it's such a departure from where we left the character. Yeah. So, well, even Hamill has spoken out about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I'm sure we'll get Correct. more into it when we get there. But he said, you know, I had to look at this as not even Luke, and I had a lot of trouble with it. I, I'm I'm glad that they are stretching. You know what what we feel our characters are, but you know, I had a struggle. You know, it looks a Boy Scout. It looks just good for goodness' sake. You know, um, and even Hamill said. You know, I had to think of him as like Paul Skywalker or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think was his, was his, one of his quotes. But yeah, it, it was really odd where they took that character to where we left him well, in Jedi. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to The Last Jedi. But yeah. I actually, I really like Luke in The Last Jedi. And, and for very personal reasons, he really resonates with me. And um, I, I really, I, I actually, I find Luke's character in The Last Jedi really meaningful. And so that, that it's for very personal reasons though. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm glad we were stressed there, but yeah, we should get there. But now we do have some new characters introduced in this thing that I, that I would like to dive into first off. And I'm going to ask Sam if he can maybe run down to the kitchen and get me a bowl of butter. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Admiral Akbar. <laughs> I love Mon Calamari. Yeah, Mon. Um, yeah, he was just. <laughs> Sorry. It, it took you that long to catch it? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> need, a, need a nutcracker and a. <laughs> but no, he, he was really. I had no cool. idea where you were going with <laughs> Okay, Sam. Paul. Oh, mercy. So, um. You you mentioned Akbar and and I do like Akbar. I just think he's such an he is an interesting character visually. Um, but to me, the best new character is also interesting visually, and that's Jabba. Yeah, I loved Jabba, and, and actually watching behind the scenes stuff and seeing how you know how many people were in this suit and how much they had to work together with this huge puppet essentially to make this thing work and to bring life to it. I just thought they did a great job. You know, as I said before, he's he's so different than anything we had seen before. Uh, you know, I mean, he he was gross and repulsive, but there was just something just lecherous, just completely <laughs> yeah. and totally. But there was also something else about him that, you know, Luke's mind tricks wouldn't work. You know, your, your mind tricks won't work on me, boy. You know, I mean, so, I mean, there was a mental fortitude to this character. So, I mean, I just, I love Jabba. Yeah, that threw a wrench in their, in his plan from the get-go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the Jedi mind trick was the plan. Yeah, right. Yeah, so. Oh, this isn't going to go. You will bring Captain Solo and his friends to me. All right, so here, I said uh, earlier that I had to cheat. Um, this is where I cheated. So, okay. um, mine's category is a little different. I'm going with best newish character. <laughs> newish. Newish character. <laughs> newish. I, I'm going with the Emperor here. Okay. I know he had his little moment in Empire, but he wasn't really a character there. It wasn't even the same actor. Well, yeah. now, right. It wasn't even the same actor, and it wasn't even the same makeup. They mm-hmm. uh, they yeah. went back and special editioned uh, McDermott in, yeah, you know, because. Yeah, but I, I don't think we. I mean, the Emperor's not really a character until this movie, right? And Agreed. this is why I said you had a good answer. <laughs> it is. He's great in this movie. Yeah. yeah. And chewing scenery. I mean, stealing scenes. I mean, and just. I mean, kind of one-upping Vader as like this ultimate villain. I mean, he he's more intimidating than Vader is in this mm-hmm. movie. Definitely. Um, yeah. And and if you didn't know this. Uh, Ian McDermott was closer in age to Han Solo mm-hmm. when they filmed this than he was in age to the character he was playing, uh, as we find out later, you know, with with uh, the uh, same character returning. Yeah, it blew my mind Yeah, when I found out that he was in Return of the Jedi and Phantom Menace. It was the yeah. same dude. Mm-hmm. I... <laughs> well, he caught up with his character, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and in, in, in um, Empire, what you had was Clive Rivell doing the voice along with a monkey mask and a woman's face overlaid um, yeah. in the projection. It was bad. I mean, the, the eyes yeah, weren't the, even symmetrical. Yeah, they the were original weird. one, he was all jacked up. Yeah, I, that was a special edition thing that worked. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the few. Yeah, yeah. But that was Empire. So. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't this movie. <laughs> 
All right, so our last one is best action scene. Um, and I don't, I probably don't have the right answer here. I've got a weird fondness for the fight on Jabba's barge. Yeah. I just, it's just something about it. it's exciting. It feels like something out of like more like an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, it really did. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun, and I just, I find myself smiling the whole time. Like when you know. You know, Han's gonna shoot over Lando. He's like, I thought you couldn't see. Ah, it's getting better. It's a lot better now. A little, a little higher. <laughs> Just the whole thing. I love that whole scene. Jamie, you have the right answer. All right. <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite action scene is the Battle of the Sarlacc. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it has actually been since I was a kid. You know, much to my dad's displeasure, I basically dug lots of holes in the yard <laughs> and, and I would try to dig them close to where I could find pieces of roots. That would be my Sarlax tentacles that would wrap up my That's action some imagination figures. there. I'll dig it. So, uh, I did too. Dad didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, battle of the Sarlacc. I mean, yeah. just the humor between Han and Lando, uh, this Luke and Leia get the swing again, you know, they, they, Boba they, Fett, get, Boba Fett, they get a second swing. <laughs> now I do admit, you know, Boba Fett go down, goes down like a chump, but, uh, but other than that, you know, I liked it. Yeah. It's not a bad answer. It's not a bad answer. Um, I kind of gave a little bit of mine away with the best scene just because I enjoy that part of the movie so much, but the best action to me is when the fighters go down into the core of the Death Star and you see them dodging the pops and, and going on and the TIE fighters can't even keep up and then they loop around and they have to outrun the explosion after they blow up the core. That just gets me cranking every time. Are they, are they got to wonder about engineers who leave an, enough space inside their battle station for a ship the size of the Millennium Falcon to fly through. <laughs> to fly through. And well, this does uh, lose its uh, radar dish though. <laughs> As we find out in our next numerical film, it's kind of a consistent flaw as Ray pilots the Falcon through a Star Destroyer. Yep. You know, it's kind of a thing they've got there. I don't know if they just you know, have that much maintenance need for access or what. <laughs> okay. So Jamie. There's a guy who's not in this movie. I know it was a few years before his time. Yeah, he was very young at this point. <laughs> he may have could have been in an Ewok suit. I would have loved that. Um, <laughs> and as much as I don't like the Ewoks, I wanted an Ewok to be our Keanu connection this week. <laughs> I only looked at little people actors to find the Keanu connection. Um, so virtually every little person in show business played on Ewok in this movie. Yes. If you flip through the IMDb page of the cast, there are so many people with so Ewok, Ewok under their Ewok, name. Ewok, yeah. um, many of them have gone on to have pretty good careers. I yeah. mean, Warwick Davis went on to play Willow, Professor Flitwick, and the Leprechaun. Yep. Um, there's a one of the uh, ladies uh, who played in Ewok. Um, she, you, you would recognize her face. She's been mm -hmm. in lots of stuff. Uh, maybe most famously an Aerosmith video. Um, you yep. guys are older than me. You probably know what I'm talking about. Um, Ragdoll. Another of the actors who we never see inside of the teddy bear suit has a name you don't recognize. He, do he doesn't have one of the recognizable names, but he's got a facial recognize. Okay, Bad Santa. He's probably most famous for being uh, an elf in Bad okay. Santa. But long before that, Tony Cox co-starred with our beloved Keanu in an uncredited role as one of the little people inside the station suits. In Bill and Ted's Focus Journey. Uh, there we go. Tony Cox is our Keanu connection. And what was he in Bill and Ted again? He was one of the uncredited little people inside the uh, station suits. Okay. There's two pe there's two uh, two little person actors who get credit, but apparently there were more than the two. There were a lot, apparently like the whole crew of little people inside those taking their turns inside the station suits. Yeah, I, c I could see that with the. Uh, yeah, and Tony Cox was one of them. He's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I, I He's have a. Cool a uh, I have a. Uh, you know, as the family watches Christmas movies every year, <laughs> after the kids go to bed or if they're spending the night with, with someone, you know, Bad Santa will find its way along with some hot chocolate marshmallows uh, during my Christmas routine. So that's I love that. It's I love that it's him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was determined. I was going to find that, any, any one. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you did. That just makes it so great. I'm so glad you did. Tony Cox. 
Okay, guys. Well, we have found a great, great many things uh, to to rave about this movie. A great many awards we've given out. But we want to share with you guys maybe something to pique your interest. Maybe something you want to look into. I think we've all kind of gone on brand this week. Um, maybe. I'm not quite sure. So... Who wants to go first with our keeping it one? I, I think of these as like more like our video game analogy from earlier. Like the episode is the main quest. Video games have their side quests. Side quest. We're recommending side quests now with our keeping it one hundred. There you go. Exactly. I want to save mine to last. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I will. Uh, I will go first because I think I've got a. I've got a pretty solid one. I think uh, things will build maybe to our headliner. So I'm going to opening act here. So let me know when. Three, two, one, go. Empire of Dreams, 2004's documentary uh, about George Lucas creating the Star Wars universe. It talks about everything from his pre-production to coming up with the stories to troubles they had on set. Um, You can find this thing on Amazon Prime. You don't have to pay for it if you are a Prime subscriber. So I would highly recommend checking that out. You know, Fox gave him a real struggle with this movie and Alan Ladd was uh, really a champion for this. We have to think I'm going to stop it there. Empire of dreams. Very nice. Very nice. Sam. All right. Sam, are you ready? I'm ready. That was a good one, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Two, one, go. All right. Uh, so Dwayne suggested empire of dreams. My, uh, keeping 100 goes right along with that. Uh, If you like podcasts like the one you're listening to right now, you need to listen to a eight-part audio biopic called Inside Star Wars. It is hosted and produced by Mark Ramsey. It's part audiobook, part podcast, part unauthorized biography as Mark explores the creation of Star Wars. Not A New Hope, but Star Wars because that's what it was called when he saw it. But along with the actual movie and the the problems that Lucas had with Fox, which this really brings to light, um, it also goes into the the actors themselves. And there are some that that the story for Peter Cushing just breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. Uh, The same thing with Carrie Fisher. Um, so both of those, uh, but it's also humorous and insightful and it's a different take. Um, also, if you love this, they also have inside psycho inside jaws and inside the exorcist. So inside star Wars, the jaws, the jaws one's good too. I haven't listened to it yet. Yeah, I'm going to check that one yeah, out. I truly enjoyed the, uh, the inside star Wars and you know, he was really honest, didn't hold a lot back. With, no. with some of those. And, and you know, sometimes I think in a story like this, um, I'm not going to say it tarnishes your heroes, but it lets you know that they're human. They're human They're too. people, yeah. uh, you know, not just a part that they play. So. Okay. Well, Jamie has been absolutely smug over there all <laughs> evening um, and being very coy with his keeping on her. So yes. I am, uh, my interest is definitely peaked here. So hopefully uh, it won't be a letdown. So Jamie, he, he's shy one pair of aviators. He's looking so cool <laughs> over here right now. So. Okay. So in my time doing the Keanu connection, there is one thing that has always stood out to me. Keanu has, in his huge list of credits, he has a single directing credit. And so I finally watched his single director's credit this week. It's called a, it's a kung fu movie, a Hong Kong kung fu movie called Man of Tai Chi. And the whole uh, idea of the movie is that Tai Chi was originally a martial art, not an exercise. And there's a character who wants to bring Tai Chi back and prove to the world that Tai Chi is an actual fighting style. Um See, I grew up on kung fu movies. Mm. My dad, I mean, I, I've seen every Bruce Lee movie, I don't know how many times. Um, we owned them all, watched them religiously. I mean, uh, probably at ages terribly inappropriate. Yes. <laughs> um, and Keanu apparently has this lifelong love for Hong Kong, like specifically Hong Kong kung fu flicks. And this is like his love letter. Uh, to to them and it's interesting there's interesting like directional stuff like camera stuff like it's pretty creative i mean for a directorial mm. debut 
Um, and he tries to, if you remember back from old Bruce Lee movies, like the villains had like a certain way of acting. Keanu's the bad guy in this movie. Hmm. And he's wow. portraying like kind of a Bruce Lee bad guy style oh, of performance. Nice. It's an interesting performance, but it's it's a Keanu dire- directed movie, the only one in existence. Man of Tai Chi. Well, I know I said we had all went on brand, and even though that was not a Star Wars <laughs> connection, Keanu is always on brand with the nerds. Definitely, it's a lot of fun. It really sounds it. And, you know, growing up, um, I'm right with you, had so much love of Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee. was a constant on the TV, along with John Wayne and Gary Cooper and mm-hmm. Jimmy Stewart and Clint Eastwood. You just had all these tough guys. But, you know, Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris, you know, you couldn't get any better than those. So, and, you know, the love for Hong Kong, I don't know if you guys remember, if you guys ever looked – looked at a lot of your toys and things but you know we always joke today about the made in china there was a lot of made in hong Hong kong Kong. back in the day specifically that you don't see anymore yeah yeah well what do we have coming up gentlemen well when sammy joined the show we let him put a cup we gave him a blank slate let him put a couple of things we weren't going to protest blank slate put some stuff on the schedule so sammy what did you put on the schedule so, um, at first I pitched Star Trek, the motion picture, and I didn't think I was going to be able, I thought right then and there I was out. Um, so they did acquiesce and we are, our next quest is going to be Star Trek to the wrath of Khan. And I'm going to give some spoilers here. I know me and Dwayne act like we don't like Star Trek. This is a great movie. Oh, I'm so excited fantastic. to review this one. Yeah. Yeah, totally, uh, totally excited. I love, uh, you know, the the premise here and even the history that uh, we'll get into a little bit next time. So if you want to dive into that a little bit for our next and, discussion. And it's peak Shatner hairpiece. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> this this is true. Yeah, that, that thing should have got an Oscar itself. <laughs> I think we're done here. Anybody else got anything, anything left they need to get out of their system for Return of the Jedi? All right, May well, the Force be with you. Keep it nerdy. <laughs>